0: Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically based, relationally driven, spirit led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Hey, City Church, it's so good to be here with you this morning. It is so good to be here. It's such a beautiful day in Charlottesville. So exciting to see so many familiar faces, though you've all aged a bit since I was here last. It looks good on you. It looks good on you, yeah. And my name is Josh Moran. My wife and I uh, have went to City Church for many years before we moved over to Harrisonburg in 2019. Uh, as you can see, I'm now sporting the purple. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you all this fall on the football field, so we'll see how that goes. Um, I I don't know, I don't know. I guess it really depends on the quarterback play for both teams, but uh, anyways, let's move out of that awkward time and into something else. (laughs) So I am so excited to be here. This church, this place, this stage actually mean a lot to me. Um, I began attending City Church in the fall of 2003 as an undergraduate student at the University of Virginia, Uh, spent many years on staff at UVA with Chi Alpha and had the privilege of attending City Church uh, three out of my four kids were dedicated on this stage I have seen more baptisms back there than I can count uh, right now. Uh, and then my wife and I, actually before all those, were actually married uh, right here back when people got married at churches. Um, so I know now we've moved to vineyards and things like that, and it's just so beautiful. Uh, but back then, we didn't have Pinterest, we didn't have things like that, so we just got married at churches. Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's a joy to be back here to be amongst you, and so I'm excited to continue in our series this morning. City Church, we've been traveling through Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon ever spoken, the most famous sermon ever written down as we see Jesus talk to his disciples as he talks to his followers and he tells them about the upside down kingdom. He says, you have heard it said, but now you need to know this, or you have seen or you have believed, but now you can understand this and that this is what it means to live in the kingdom of God. This is what it means to be a kingdom person. We've been traveling through chapter five and the Beatitudes and, and we have seen some of the most rich and deep teachings Ever known to man. And now we make a turn into chapter six and we see Jesus begin to introduce a new type of teaching, a new way in which he is teaching his disciples. In chapter 5, he was showing those who had lived according to the law, but had not loved God in their heart, that this is what it can look like to follow God with your heart. And in chapter 6, he's going to make a slight turn and begin to teach those who had lived with their righteousness on the outside, but have had no righteousness on the inside, how detrimental to them that could be. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew Chapter six. I had the page saved, so it's a little easier for me to get there. Uh, we're gonna begin reading in verse one. Oh, oh man, shoot, I'm sorry. I don't know if you noticed, but the, if you have uh, the NIV thin line, you'll notice that there's a subheading up there. It says giving to the needy. Yep, that's right. They brought the missionary in and all of a sudden we're gonna start talking about money. I know some of you, you've invited your friends, you've been waiting for a long time to try to get your friends to come and you promised them it's not gonna be about money. The church doesn't always talk about money. It's not all that we're all about and then all of a sudden they finally came here on this beautiful Sunday morning. They put a guest missionary up there. He's wearing purple and he's gonna start talking about money. Well, we are going to talk a little bit about money, but Jesus is teaching his disciples and his followers something more, something, as Jesus does often as he flips things upside down, as we see the upside down kingdom, that it's not just about the money, but it is about your heart. So let's begin reading in chapter six, verse one. Jesus says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Jesus begins this teaching in in chapter 6 here, and he introduces some, he's going to introduce three new topics to his disciples and his followers in the Sermon on the Mount. This morning, he's going to talk about giving to the needy, or maybe your translation says almsgiving. Uh, Then he's going to talk about prayer, which he's going to have a more lengthy discourse on, and then he's going to talk about Fasting. In all three of these, these are all outward actions that the believers do, and Jesus is going to teach them that it doesn't always matter what you do on the outside if you do it for the wrong reasons. And not just for the wrong reasons, but if you do it for the wrong people, if you do it in order to gain things for yourself, in order to be seen by others, Now, when we read this, we think, well, who in the world would do that? And then we think back over our past week and we realize there have been many times in our own individual lives where we have done things in order that others might see them so that we could gain status, so that we may gain approval, so that we can be seen as someone who does certain things. Uh, For those of you that are sitting in the front, is it even an all-nighter if you didn't tell someone you pulled it? Right? (laughs) Right? For those of you that, that you know, have you, ever, have you ever been in this situation where you've been at work and it's been towards the end of the workday and you're like, you know what? I've got this email I wanna send to my boss, but you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna hold off on sending the email. Okay, I'm not gonna send it at 445, right? Not because I wanna be kind to my boss, but because I wanna wait until 7.30 tonight, 8.15 tonight, and I want my boss to know that I was working overtime. I want her to know, I want her to know that I've been I've been grinding the midnight hours and I've been doing these things at night, and so I'm gonna send this email right then so that it looks like. I was working at this time in order to gain favor, in order to gain status, in order to see our accomplishments known. And it's one thing when we do these things in just our own personal lives, but Jesus says, what about when we do them with our own righteous acts, when we use them in order to gain status amongst our peers, when we order to have more accolades and honor, in order for the congregation to clap for us? And we can think through our own, even our righteous acts, and think about what the motivation is, and why do we do the things that we do, and who do we do them for? Do we find ourselves having our devotions so that we can tell someone later that we had our devotions? Or maybe some of you host a life group in your home, thank you so much for doing that, but aren't we always sure to set out the spiritual books on the coffee table before everyone comes over? It's a little too close to home, right? It's like I want them to know I'm a reader too, right? Uh, Yes, I have read all of these books. Thank you very much. Please don't ask me anything about them, right? And there's this sense that sometimes things get a little off kilter. They get a little skewed, and it's like, man, like what? I'm trying, And the hustleness of the world and in this like sense of leveling up that is so surrounds us in the world that we live in, Jesus takes these ideas and he flips them on their head. And as we live in the upside-down kingdom, he tells us there is a different way to live. So let's continue in our text this morning and see what Jesus would say. Verse 2. He says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Mm. That's good right there. Let's break this down a little bit. There's a couple things I want to talk about. First, uh, Jesus assumes the disciples and his followers are giving to the needy. Jesus doesn't go out of his way to explain why they should do it. He doesn't tell them that they have to do it. He just assumes that they do it and he is now going to teach them how to do it. What is the heart posture which they should have when they, when they give to the needy? The reason Jesus assumes this is because this has been uh, part of the Hebrew Bible from the beginning. This would have been their understanding as, as Torah followers, as they would have read the Old Testament, as they would have understood, they would have known that this is what they were supposed to do. And Jesus assumes this amongst his disciples And amongst his followers, that this is what it means to be a Jesus person. And then, what's with this deal? What's with the trumpets? Like, can you imagine, like, if you showed up this morning in order to give your tithes an offering, and you had the, like, jazz band go down in front? Is that what a trumpet plays in? Maybe they don't. I don't know. I can only play PowerPoint. Um, and so, like, like, the trumpet plays, and it's like, that is absolutely crazy. Is this where the term tooting your own horn comes from? Like, what is this about? And then we realize that the only way to level up in a highly religious society is to be more religious. The only way to gain more status in in the ancient Near East is, as the, the Pharisaical congregation would have lived would have been for them to be righteous on the outside, for others to know that they were righteous in order to have more status, in order to continue to level up. This is what it would have meant for them. And then what about this term Hypocrites. What a fun word in English, a fun word in Greek. Like, like as Jesus uses this term, what he would have meant, what, what, the, what the original audience would have heard is not as we hear it. Like what is a hypocrite? It's someone who, who says one thing and does another, right? They would have heard it this way, but the term literally meant a stage actor, Someone who would go up and perform on stage and then come off and be someone completely different, right? And what Jesus is saying, those of you who give in order to be seen are nothing but stage actors. You're not actually generous. You're not actually humble. You're just trying to gain status. You may be more proud than you even know. And if you only give in order for others to be seen, Jesus says you need to be wary Because you will only be rewarded here and you will not be rewarded in heaven. It's fascinating. The sense of of rewards in heaven is a theme in Matthew's gospel. Actually, later in chapter six, if you look down or if you scroll down, uh, we'll see like the famous uh, passage where Jesus says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth, I'm sorry, I'm trying to move slow through this because uh, if I move too fast, it's a slugs and bugs song, and so I just find myself singing into the microphone, and I know that none of you want to go through that this morning, Uh, okay? And so he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but instead store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, and what Jesus is teaching his disciples, what Jesus is teaching his followers, what he's teaching us this morning, church, is to have this sense to do good kingdom math okay now let's talk about math for a little bit okay i loved math in high school okay that was that was 20 years ago okay so uh math in high school was phenomenal it was so much fun it always made sense there was always a right answer it was like if you just do this and you just work the problem eventually you're gonna get to the right answer and there's only one okay and it was easy it was great i loved it and then i came to college And math is not the same in college. And I'm like, what in the world is happening here? So I registered for uh, Calc 2. Uh, It was Math 132 back then. Uh, And I took it for about 50 minutes. And I was like, nope, I'm gonna drop that as soon as I get back to my dorm room because we we had to do it, like, The computers were connected back then and so I had to go back to the room to do it. I sat down beside my dorm phone uh, and was like, I need to get out of this math class because this is not the right type of math. And now all I do is kingdom math. Okay, where Jesus would say that if you do this, then you will be rewarded and it will be better for you than you could ever ask or imagine. That the God who sees what is done in secret will reward you in heaven. Now let's talk about secret for a moment. Okay, God seeing things in secret is also one of these Old Testament themes that we read about. And constantly in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible, we see that God is the one who sees things that are done in secret, things that are done behind closed doors, things that no one else sees, God is the one who sees. And in the Old Testament, more often than not, the examples were negative of what the Lord saw of what Jehovah was watching for, of what Yahweh was wary of. And maybe some of you grew up in homes where this is what was taught to you. Or maybe you're in a home where this is what you teach. Like, do not do that. Do not do those things because God is waiting to pounce. And he will light you up. picture God pointing like this. But what we see, Jesus in the upside-down kingdom flips this idea up. And it's no longer about the God who sees things in secret in order to punish, but that actually God who sees things in secret is desiring to reward, is desiring to give you more than you could ever ask or imagine, is desiring to bless you and to give you the longings of your heart and that this will be what your eternal reward will be. Now, I know that when I say this, when I, when I talk about this, it's, like, easy to be like, but, but, man, like, I gave some money, and, like, God didn't give me nothing. I kept looking, and nothing it was in my pocket. Well, like, sometimes that's just not how it works. And I believe that, that, like, as we try to understand kingdom and kingdom math, is there's this sense of, like, we don't understand it fully because we don't understand eternality, right in our in our finiteness we don't understand the infinite we don't know how things could continue on and on and understand how living for that world is so much better but then we also live in such an immediate culture where we want things right now we need to see it right now it needs to be right in front of us right now right now right now the university is now trying to get you all to graduate in 3 years instead of 4 like we need to get these people out we need to move things through make it quicker make it happen There's this sense of the immediacy that tarnishes our soul. And as we live for an eternality, instead of living for an immediacy, that this will do well for us. Church, as we begin to make a transition to where we're going to learn how to put feet to our faith, as our pastor would say, I think that there's another part of the passage that we need to talk about, right? There's this weird part where Jesus says, like, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Okay, well, like, how does that work? Like, what is that supposed to mean? Like, does that mean, like, when you show up to church and you're getting ready to write a check, right, like, you should sit on your hand so it falls asleep, right, so it feels a little funny? Should you write things with the opposite hand? Like, you know, like, like, next week when we go to do city serve, should we all wear ski masks so that no one knows who we are? Like, is this what this is supposed to be? No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, do not do these things so that others will see them. There is a sense that we can do these things with others seeing them. We just can't do them so others would see them. Dallas Willard has a, has a beautiful example of what it can mean for us to, to not let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. Does anybody in here drive? Anybody have a car and drive? Yes, there's a few of you. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, count those for salvations. Everybody on the reports? Yes, yes, I see that hand. Like there's this, okay, you've all driven before. How many of you have a place where you drive often? Maybe it's to work, uh, maybe it's to school, maybe it's to Bodo's, right? Like we got these different places that we go to often. Have you ever found yourself driving there, ending up there and not knowing how you got there? like a sense to where you blacked out a little bit, like right, like did I, did I obey traffic laws on the way here, like did I speed, was there a red light camera, was there anyone around me, did anybody see me? I'm not sure how I got here, I just made all the right turns, like what does that even mean? And I think that that, that, type, of, that type of example where you do something so much to where it just becomes second nature is what Jesus is talking about here, that as you live a lifestyle of generosity, as you live a lifestyle of giving to those who are in need, that it will become second nature. That you'll no longer be weighing the pros and cons when you, when you pull up to certain places or when you think about writing checks. You will no longer find yourself wondering, I wonder if someone else sees this or, or how will I get credit for this or does everyone else know how sacrificial this was for me? But then instead, it will just be an overflow of the person of which you are. It'll be an overflow of the way in which you live and that this is what Jesus means when he says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing because it is so second nature to us, church. And so let's get a little practical this morning about how this could play out in our lives and how we can live generously and live sacrificially. I wanna give you a few statistics from the uh, United States census. Um. Census data reports that over 23% of Charlottesville residents live under the poverty line. The Thomas Jefferson Area Coalition on Homelessness reports that there's been an increase in the homeless population from 2021 to 2022, um, and some would estimate at least 125%. Single parent homes are 36% of the percentage of households with children in the Charlottesville-Albemarle area. Now, when we think about the Old Testament command to care for the orphans, to care for the widow, to care for the poor, we realize that they are amongst us, that they live in our communities. And that what the gospel would tell us is that everyone that has ever been created on this earth is an image bearer. And that as image bearers, as people who are made in the image of God, that we have a unique dignity, dignity, value, and worth. And that as we cultivate that image in our brothers and sisters around us, that we bring the kingdom to earth. That we expand God's kingdom. That we see it move radically through our friends' lives and through our neighbors' lives and through our community's lives. And that this is what it means to be the people of God. In church, can you imagine what it would look like if our church took on these tasks around us? If we thought about what it means to give generously, to give with our time, to give with our finances, and to live outside of these walls as people who were made in his image and who have been commanded to care for those less fortunate, to care for those who don't have a voice. And I know that in times it's like, well, It can be hard for us to to cross um, certain boundaries or certain lines and we think about how certain people have ended up in certain situations, either generationally or situationally or something has happened to them or a choice that they have made, but the gospel knocks down all those barriers. That the kingdom says that this is what it means to be a kingdom person, that we must live generously amongst those who are around us. And as we bear the image and as we cultivate the image in our brothers and sisters, that this is what it means to be the people of God. So let me give you a few practical things to think about. Number one, I would encourage you to come next week to City Serve. Okay, And as you think about like, gathering here to worship and then going out amongst the community, you're going to get the opportunity to see a lot of different places who do this stuff day in and day out. You're going to get a chance to learn who you can partner with, to learn who you can give to, to le- learn who you can st- move your, um, your weight behind certain issues that God has put on your heart. And I would encourage you to be here next week, to sign up on the website, and to be a part of your church as she serves in the community in which she lives. Um, second, I would encourage you to, to find people to get to know. To not just see our friends as uh, projects or problems to be solved, but to see them as people to be known as you drive throughout Charlottesville, as you walk to class, I know that the homeless are amongst you and you know it too. Okay, you see them on the corners, you see them on the streets and there is a chance for us to take time out of our day and get to know people, to ask them real questions, to learn their stories and to have God's heart for compassion for those who live amongst us. One of the things that my wife would do when we lived in Charlottesville, uh, was we, had, uh, we had one of those vans with the sliding doors. That's how, many, that's how you know you have a lot of kids, right? When you move to the sliding door minivan, it's like, oh yes, this thing is awesome. I could park this thing anywhere and the kids aren't gonna hit anyone else's doors. It doesn't matter how packed the parking lot is at Trader Joe's, like we can fit Okay, and, like, and what she would do is she would carry uh, snacks and food in the front seat uh, in between because uh, uh, we had so many kids that that front thing didn't work anymore, so it just served as a cooler, right? And so she would keep different things in there. And as we would drive around, and specifically when our kids would ask, like, what, why is that person standing there? Or what did the sign say? Or what were they asking for? We got a chance to teach on God's heart for those less fortunate, We get a chance to teach that God loves everyone, and this is what God would call us to do. And we would be able to hand out food or water or feminine hygiene products and to just carry these things in your car in order to be able to hand them out generously. And then I would encourage you, as your fourth practical step this morning, would be to give, to write checks, to swipe your card, to do Apple Pay, double tap, right, whatever it takes, uh, however people give these days, right? To, to, To take it amongst yourself to give. And here's what I would say. For some of you, when you think about giving, Uh, like where uh, the decimal point goes is important when it comes to the zeros, right? For me, often, like all the zeros are after the decimal point, right, so they don't matter anymore. But for some of you, the Lord is asking you to put a lot of zeros before the decimal point and that this would be sacrificial for you. For some of you, putting a lot of zeros before the decimal point would not be sacrificial for you. And the Lord is speaking to you about that also. But I believe that the Lord would speak to us each individually as to what we would do and how much we would give as we would obey his command to give generously to those who desperately need it. As the band comes up, as we prepare to close, I want us all to stand. I'd like for you to just close your eyes just for a moment in God's presence. As we think about what we have just heard, I believe that for some of you, there are certain faces that come to mind right now. There are people that you have gone by every day. There are people that you have passed on the street. There are people at your kids' schools. There are people that live in your neighborhood that you know could use your help. The Lord is speaking to you right now about ways in which you could help. Ways in which you could be an answer to the prayers that they've been praying. Ways in which you could give generously and bear the kingdom in your own life. For others of you in this room, no one comes to mind right now. But as you've heard the data, as you've lived in the town long enough, you know that there are things going on that are maybe outside your comfort zone, there may be in your comfort zone. But there are things that the Lord is asking you to help put an end to. And there are ways in which you could leverage your influence in order to see things change in the heavenly realm. And church, I believe that if we do this that the math says that you will be rewarded more than you could ever ask or imagine. It might not be here. It might not be now. But the eternality of the Son, the eternality of the kingdom would be worth it. So King Jesus, we come to you this morning as God's people And we ask that you would speak. And God, we cry out for those amongst us who have had hard times, who have had difficult financial situations. God, for those amongst us who are in great need. God, we pray that you would bless them. God, we pray that we would be the answer to people's prayers this week. And that we could be the hands and feet of our risen Lord. And that we could see the kingdom advance in ways that we could never ask or imagine in our city, in our own lives, and in the world that we live in today. So be with us, Jesus. Empower us by your spirit that we may see your gospel go in places that it has not yet gone. So God, we respond the only way we know how in worship to our King.